If you have a child with type 1 diabetes, whether they were diagnosed five days ago or five years ago, you continue to have questions. These are the questions about the emotional side of living with diabetes, the questions about how to parent diabetes. I'm Joanne Robb, a psychotherapist and fellow T1D mom, and I've been parenting diabetes for almost 15 years. In this podcast, I'm here to answer your questions about the emotional and relational challenges that come with being a caregiver for a child with type 1 diabetes. Before we dive in, I have to remind you that I'm not a doctor and nothing that I offer here should be considered medical advice. If you want to make any changes to the way you or your child is managing their type 1, please be sure to check in with your doctor or medical team. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. I want to welcome today a friend and fellow T1D mom, Tamar, and she's here to talk through a question with me. Tamar, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. It's always fun to talk to you. Tamar, thanks for coming. Um, we have a question. Could you read it? And we'll we'll then talk about it. Sure. So here's the question. My 11-year-old son was diagnosed four months ago. He's really struggling, saying that he's so sick of not being able to just eat whatever and whenever he wants. He wants to eat like a normal person and not have to worry about carbs or shots. But I'm worried that he doesn't understand that this is for the long run. What do I do to help him? Struggling to adjust in Dallas, Texas. Thanks, Tamar. Yeah, so this is hard because this is a new diagnosis, which is always a tough time, right? This everything feels um, really dire in this moment for this mom, and it sounds to me like she's restricting a lot, right? That's my guess based on what I know about parents who, especially at the beginning, there's a lot of idea about restriction and certainly a lot of anxiety about every single piece of food that goes into the child's mouth. Yeah, and it could be even unintentional restricting it's just like it's easier if you eat the same thing because I already know the carbs and I know how to bullet mm -hmm. and I know how to you know so it's it may not even be restricting in like oh you can't eat carbs but let's just eat the same thing every day which obviously is going to get old very quickly for an 11 year old yeah and an 11 year old who's four months in right because if they you know I remember I did that for sure when my son was diagnosed, he had grilled cheese and an apple every day for lunch. I knew just how to manage that one, right? So if he's 11, has been eating essentially grilled cheese and an apple for four months, that's really hard on him. Yeah. So that's a yeah. good point. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I would say it's just numbers, right? He's going to be fine, even if his blood sugars are a little erratic. I know it's hard for us to breathe and accept that. But I would say his emotional well-being is more important than his blood sugars, certainly always. But, you know, unless we're talking about extremes, which I hope we're not talking about here, but let him feel like he can still do things like a normal person so that he doesn't have, you know, a bad relationship with diabetes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's also not just a bad relationship with diabetes, but ultimately a bad relationship with food too, right? right? Because it can get so tricky when there's a lot of restriction that happens. I like the I like your point, Tamara, about restriction can also happen sort of unintentionally with just um, doing the things that you know. And that is one way that a lot of people can manage diabetes. But for an 11-year-old child, that is too restrictive, I would say. And this is where I think... Um, 
the Sweet Talk Snack course is helpful because it talks about relationship to food. So if folks want, that's a free thing you can download from my website. Right. But but you're right, right? Thinking more broadly about diabetes and not worrying about every number. And it's really hard to do that when you're four months in. Really, really hard to do that. Right. Yes. So I'm hearing some anxiety from this mom. I don't know. What do you think from about that? Yeah, definitely anxiety, which is so understandable. And also, I mean, I I kind of wonder about this, what, you know, he doesn't understand that this is for the long run. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, you know, what does she want him to understand about Mm -hmm. it being for the long run? And is she thinking he needs to understand the consequences of not bullying or counting carbs? I think it's way too soon for to talk about that if ever and then or is it just that she wants him to realize this is never going to go away and this is his new normal which I also think doesn't need to be discussed explicitly he will get that down the road but I think for now you just want to take it one day and one meal at a time Mm -hmm. I know it's hard for us as parents because we do see the long term and know that it's forever and think about the consequences but I think for an 11 year old you just want him to be able to go to a birthday party and feel normal Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think you're right about that as what the goal should be. And I see a lot of parents who really are worried about both of those things, about the um, medical consequences, right. And complications. And the idea of this being life-threatening is a place that a lot of parents can operate from, right. Because it could be right. That's certainly true historically. And if it's badly managed over time, it could be right. And I see a lot of parents worrying about the idea of making sure that their children know that it's not going away. And I think that this is a time and a situation where it's better to be keep in the now. So as you're saying, and I love that, like this is an 11 year old who just wants to be able to go to a birthday party. I think we need to stay really aligned and close to where our kids are in the moment and not get so far ahead of them worrying about what's going to happen, right? Keeping in mind that this developmental moment, this diabetes moment, right? This kid is 11 and four months in, it's going to look really different when he's 13 and two years in, it's going to look more different when he's 18 and seven years in, right? Things change. And for us to be um, confident enough and calm enough to know that we get to take a new snapshot at each of these developmental milestones. And that's normal. And we shouldn't worry out too far ahead of our ch- where our children are right now. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more answers. One of the hardest things about diabetes is the food. Your kid has to eat, but there's so many foods that send them high or are tricky to dose for. And at the same time, you don't want to restrict their food choices. You want them to be able to feel like every other kid. To help you navigate the many challenges of food and eating with type 1, I've created the Sweet Talk Snack Course, a free mini course that gives you six bite-sized lessons to support your T1D kid in having a healthy relationship with food and eating. Sign up for it at DiabetesSweetTalk.com. How does that land? What do you think of that? Yeah, I completely agree. Day by day, meal by meal, and make sure that they have what they need, again, to feel normal. 
And mm-hmm. that could be something like exploring the option of a pump where you don't have to take a shot every time, right? Because mm-hmm. he's complaining about the shots, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so hang on, let me, let's address that. That's a really good point, right? So this person, this mom wrote in uh, that that her son wants to eat like a normal person. He doesn't want to count carbs or have shots, right? So that means he's not on a pump. So a pump can swing both ways, right? A pump can make people feel not normal. It can make them feel sort of like cyborg. Um, and it can make them feel normal because it's a whole lot easier and less disruptive, less painful, less... Um, obvious to people around you if you just pump push numbers into a pump rather than have to drop insulin every time. So for sure that could help. And if we're thinking about normal here, it might be that it would be good for this kid. I feel like this is a drumbeat that I say all the time, but it would be good for this kid to have exposure to other kids, right? So he's not the only odd man out. Um, This is where camp is helpful, where the JDRF event is helpful, whatever it is, because the people around him in those settings are going to be really looking just like him. So he's not going to be abnormal and everybody's going to be doing a quick carb count. Um, Or if you're at camp, they just tell you what it is. So it's not like you don't even have to think about it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Right. And I couldn't be more on board with you than about camp you know, I feel like I'm constantly preaching that to people. It's like, sorry, your kid got diagnosed, go to camp. Right. Um, so yes, I completely agree with that. Introducing to people in the community, super helpful, considering a pump, if it's the right thing for you, mm-hmm. really helpful. Things like counting carbs. I mean, just telling him again, I don't know that he'll that's kind of the long-term, which we just said, maybe not think about, but just, and again, okay, I'm rounding, but being around people for whom carb counting happens without thinking will hopefully kind of give him a sense that this won't be something he'll have to think about all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like over time, he won't think about carb counting. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, there are some cool apps that maybe would make carb counting a little more fun, right? Um so trying to find things like that that may make reduce the burden without taking away, you know, the responsibility mm-hmm. um, is another well, thing. Yeah, to- I love that idea. And maybe he's not ready to count the carbs, right? Like at 11, you're kind of on the cusp. I think some 11 year olds are interested in doing that and are able to do that. But maybe he doesn't. Maybe he shouldn't, right? Like maybe he's not ready. And so maybe um, he should be able to eat and just mom or dad knows that he's eating and mom or dad goes and draws it up. Right. And it's not even, you know, obviously best practice is an early bolus, but if he goes to eat and, you know, you're catching it a little bit later, you're giving the insulin with the meal. It's not a crisis. It doesn't have to be that the house is burning down. Right. You just see how that goes and make adjustments for it. And I, I also want to name that I totally understand the desire to get it just right, especially at the beginning. It's not like as you go on, you want to get it less just right. It's just you understand that there's more room for flexibility and you have more of a sense of how to accommodate and adjust when things go off the rails, right? Would would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. And then the flip side of that is that if they're in honeymoon, they have a little bit more sort of leeway to maybe be off 
with um, the carb counting and, you know, the honeymoon will make up for it a little bit. So again, to give yourself permission to not be quote unquote perfect, because there is no such thing as perfect carb counting. It's all kind of a guesstimate, but to sort of realize that it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, your, your body is still making up for it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I did want to go back to something we talked about earlier about the relationship with diabetes relationship with food. But I think the third part of that is the relationship with the parent. They, Mm -hmm. you don't want to, I think it's very important to not make the parent be come across as the, you know, the, the diabetes police, Uh right? Because that sets you up for losing trust with your kid and, you know, not being the, you know, not being a good support if you're the one that's putting up the, the, the railings. So, and I know it is our job to put our railings up a little bit, but not be the one that they perceive as the person restricting their food. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the premises that I have in everything that I do for Sweet Talk is that the idea is to keep the relationship with your child at the center, right? So that you're not having diabetes be at the center of that relationship, right? How to move diabetes out of the center. And what you're saying here, I think is really, really important, right? Like we don't want to be the diabetes police, even as we have to be monitoring, right? So it puts us in a bind for sure. Absolutely. It's not a comfortable place for us. How do we do monitoring in the most loving, gentle way with as much compassion as possible, um, rather than coming across as heavy handed, um, and being, and be, and as though it's policing, right? So, um, I gave a talk a few months ago called parenting for resilience. And I talk about the, in that, I talk about that exact issue in that talk, like how to strike that balance between these two ends. And one of the things I also talk about, and I've discussed many times on the podcast and other places is about validation, right? So I think that as parents, we can get a little almost militant, Like it has to be this way. You have to understand it because we are anxious. And so how do we stand down our own anxiety so that we can stand with our child and say, yeah, this is really hard. This is, this is terrible. This is so not what you wanted. I hate that this is happening for you. I see how hard this is for you and not worry that that's going to create a whole spiral of a child collapsing um, and not being able to pick up the responsibility because it's actually the reverse when you feel validated. I mean, we all know this, right? Our spouse comes home and we want to complain about something and our spouse says, like, just do the thing. It doesn't feel good to us. We want some space to be able to just vent about what's painful, right? Our kids deserve that too. And so as much as possible for us to um, see them, right? Let them feel seen, which doesn't mean that we say, oh, no, we give up on giving shots or or giving you insulin, not at all, right? We're holding both of those things. So I like the way you say that. Yeah. Like how do we how do we monitor without policing? That's really beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you know, we always talk, I feel like since our kids were diagnosed, we say, you know, child first, diabetes second. And I think what you're saying is child first, relationship first, oh, diabetes yeah. third, right? Like you have to focus child relationship and then diabetes will mm-hmm. fit into that rather yeah. than the way around. Absolutely. And I, I do think that that part of this, I said this already, but I want to reiterate it, is is looking at the child in front of you, 
right, about how that child is managing diabetes, about what that child needs. So in this case, for this parent, you know, he wants to eat like a normal person. Okay, let him. How does that mean it would be different than now? What what does this parent need to do to try to allow that? Is that about food choices? Is that about timing of boluses? Is it about putting on a pump? Right. And then this piece that you pointed out about, I'm worried he doesn't understand this is for the long run. Like, how do we help this parent just stand down her anxiety um, so that she's not feeling so anxious about the him not understanding about the consequences? Because I think that is driven by a parental anxiety. And we all have a tremendous responsibility to manage our own anxiety. Right. Like, that's not something we get to put on our children. We have to do that for ourselves. Absolutely. Any other thoughts tomorrow or questions you have about it? The other thing I guess I would just add, and we don't have the context here, and you mentioned, you know, what are the restrictions? Is it what they're eating, timing of eating? I would also be very mindful of what other people in the family are eating, mm-hmm. you know, and never have that child be different because mm-hmm. of diabetes. Yeah. Um, well, so. I want to, I want to make a little amendment to that, which is that our children with diabetes are different because they do things like drink juice at midnight or have ice cream because we know they need a slow rise, right? Like those kinds of things. So they are different, but I agree with you a hundred percent about serving the same things to everybody, making sure that everything looks the same. That's just, that's just smart eating family eating behaviors, right? Like the, you are going to be less likely to have a child with let's say the range is from disordered eating to eating disordered behaviors. If everyone sits down and eats the same meal, right. And maybe your child doesn't like broccoli. So they eat, have one piece of broccoli on their plate and everyone else has five pieces of broccoli. That's fine. But everybody's sort of presented with the same things. So if in your household, like I've, I've been talking to a bunch of parents lately who are going to slow carb, they'll say, or low carb when their children are diagnosed. I have some mixed feelings about how that plays. It depends on the age of the child, how exposed the child is to the diabetes world, right? Because that that it can really be a setup for some eating restrictive behaviors. But if that's going to happen, then everyone in the house has to eat that same like slow carb food, right? It can't be just one child. Absolutely. Yeah, good point. And you know what? I mean, I wouldn't wake up my other kids at midnight to give them juice, but if you know, my child with diabetes is having ice cream, you know, sure. My other child is around mm-hmm. and they, I would Serve offer it up too. Yeah. Yep. So, right. Good, good clarification. Yes. I totally agree. So a little more ice cream all the way around. Never, <laughs> as long as it's a good flavor. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Tamar, for coming onto the show and talking this through with me. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Joanne. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening today. If you want answers to your questions about parenting a kid with type 1, I'd like to invite you to join our live recording sessions so you can ask your questions in person. Not only will you get the support you need and deserve, but through the podcast, you'll be helping other T1D parents to know that they're not alone with the challenges they're facing. To join one of my live recording sessions, simply go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. Again, go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register.